listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Jeff. Thanks for asking. And you? I'm doing really well, too. Uh, per normal, uh, I'm excited for today's show. Yeah, well, I, I, mean, I think it's I, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think we're, we're covering off an area where... You know, um, it, it's one thing to be a good marketer. It's one thing to be a good um, uh, marketing leader. It, it's kind of another thing to uh, come into an organization in a marketing leadership role and kind of begin building. Start it. fresh. Yeah. Yeah, and and um, you know that's a that's, that's an area that a lot of people find themselves in for the first time, somewhat been obviously further advanced in their career, and uh, it, it can be a bit. Uh, startling to kind of know where to go next. It's a bit different from coming into an established marketing organization and, uh, and, you know, even disrupting it is different from, uh, from building it. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think today's guest is going to uh, provide a lot of insight here. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, me as well. So joining us today is Dan Rickliffs. Dan is the VP of marketing at PPI. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Dan. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Hi, Carmen. And uh, good to talk to you guys this morning. Absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Dan. And um, look, let's uh, kick things off by uh, telling us more about uh, about you and PPI because um, PPI doesn't uh, may not be a household name for everyone. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. It's not in your uh, refrigerator or in your cupboards or anything like that, right? So, so yeah. Uh, so yeah. Once again, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, once again, Dan Rickloff's vice president of marketing at, at PPI. Um, a little bit about myself, and then I'll kind of dive into the the company a little bit, but, uh, I've had a, had a, a long and, uh, an industrious career, I guess. Uh, I've been in B2B marketing for a little over 20 years. Um, most of it actually at, uh, an international company that, uh, dealt with hydraulics. Um, and I had the opportunity, oh, about six months ago, uh, to, to join a different organization, a little bit smaller organization with some different challenges. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, so I joined uh, Precision Pulley and Idler. Um, as a company, what do we do? Why haven't you heard of us? Well, <laughs> as I mentioned, we're, we're a B2B company, uh, primarily make conveyor components for the mining, aggregate, and package handling industries. Um, so we're parts of parts uh, of kind of equipment that, yeah, that moves uh, uh, aggregates that help build roads and, and bridges and things like that. Um, but also uh, we supply a lot of uh, uh, equipment to the industries that move packages. So uh, e-commerce has been a big driver for a piece of our business. So uh, I was just talking with Jeff before the call here about uh, how things are going and business is going extremely well these days. So uh, provide some different challenges. But uh, but outside of the, the day-to-day, right, it's, it's been a great opportunity for me to, to come in and uh, kind of use a, a template of success that I've developed over my career and try to lay it uh, uh, over the organization and challenges here at, at PPI. So well, let's, um, uh, let's yeah. understand. So where was PPI at from a kind of marketing infrastructure and resourcing perspective uh, before hiring you? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe like a lot of uh, B2B companies, right? They're very manufacturing and engineering oriented with a great sales team. Um, but I think, you know, when we talk about marketing, they th- they didn't have the same idea of marketing that, that I might have, right? It's coming from a, maybe a bigger international corporation. So so they had some some people that have marketing titles, but uh, maybe not what we would traditionally think as those roles. So, you know, in, in some cases, I guess it's kind of like starting with a bit of a blank sheet of paper with people that are really good in the 
industry. They know the products. They know the customers, uh, but maybe without the the processes and experience to to really help you know, kind of proactively drive growth that uh, that a marketing team tries to do. I guess so. And with PPI kind of just facing an inflection point in their trajectory and say, look, we really need to up our game here, or um, what kind of drove them to to make that decision? I think that's probably a good way to, to think about it, right? So they've had a strategy over the past few years to to try to grow through acquisition, um, and that's been pretty successful. They've kind of reached a, maybe a critical mass uh, um, in their size and how they go about things to say, hey, we probably need to, to take a little bit more of a proactive approach, uh, a little bit more of a structured marketing approach, not just to marketing, but in other parts of the organization. Um, and so there's been a, a few new people that have joined the team from, from the outside and kind of taken a fresh look at things and saying, how can we make this thing sustainable and really take it to the next level, I think. Very cool. Very cool. Thanks for that. Uh, it's really helpful background to, to yeah. understand kind of where we're starting from here. Yeah. And and I, I'd love to, you know, what, what was one of the first things you did when you arrived at PPI? <laughs> well, you know, in a, in a traditional world, one of the first things I would do, because that's kind of one of the key points for me is being customer focused, but I would go out and visit the customers, right? So you try to learn the business. Obviously, we're dealing in uh, <laughs> trying to do that in a pandemic uh, uh, background. And so that wasn't exactly possible. But for me, it's really just to try to learn the business, right? So um, talk with the team. Uh, I, I did, of course, I was able to talk with customers virtually, uh, learn the products, uh, go out and meet the people in the plants and figure out what they're doing, but just try to get my sense uh, or get my fingers around uh, what the, what this business is, what drives it, what are some of the, uh, the, the critical success factors, I guess, right? Um, and then kind of go from there and try to, you know, how can marketing help uh, kind of shape that uh, going forward? Yeah, those first days are always kind of a bit, it's just kind of putting on a different suit of clothes and kind of figuring out how it feels and trying to learn how to walk around in it a bit. You know, I don't know. It's just... <laughs> figure, out, figure out where the bathroom and the coffee pot are. That's exactly yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Coffee first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and Dan, I know that you've, um, you alluded to this earlier, this notion of the, the, the playbook or framework that you've developed. Uh, over the years. Uh, let's, let's begin to kind of unpack that and what are the key components of it and kind of how you're seeing it unfolding at PPI. So, yeah, I mean, uh, from a playbook perspective, I don't think this is anything, you know, super magical here, but uh, just kind of based on my experiences, there's, a you know, kind of three themes that I've tried to figure out what it means uh, at, at PPI, I guess, right? So um, the, the first one is the strategy of the business, right? So are we trying to grow? Or are we just trying to be more profitable? Or are we trying to do both those things at the same time, which most companies are, right? But uh, what does that look like? What's the landscape that we're in? What's the competitive environment? Um, you know, what do we provide for customers and why are they value? Value what we're doing, right? So it's kind of you know, kind of the overarching uh, strategy of the business, and then how can we help uh, uh, help meet some of those yeah, KPIs, I guess, right? So um, the the second thing that I kind of go look for is data, right? So I mean, in today's marketing world, it's you know always there's some creativity, but uh, it's it's a combination of science and creativity today. So typically, businesses have a lot of data, um, and they certainly do here at PPI, but it's maybe not necessarily formatted or using it in the in the way that. Uh, would be required for for marketing uh, campaigns, for instance. So, so that's kind of the second thing, and then the, the third thing, and maybe this is probably the most important, and I've alluded to this uh, already, is uh, a passion for the customer, right? So, really getting under the skin of what we provide for the customer. What's our value proposition? Why do they why do do they do business with us, or why do they not, right? Um, but if trying to understand those three things: so strategy, data, and and customer. 
builds a pretty good foundation for trying to figure out what we want to do next. I'd like to dig into the data side a little bit. I mean, you're, you're coming into an organization, as, as we talked about earlier, you know, a bit of an inflection point for bringing you on and kind of building out this capability and, and understanding. Yep. What, what were you missing? And, and like, did you, did you have Google Analytics or, or were, there, were there other things that you were kind of looking for that you would have been more accustomed to having in your toolbox before? Yeah, I mean, and maybe it's a little bit scary, but it's, some of the stuff's a little bit more foundational than that even, right? So, and maybe not too surprising, but, you know, it's not a super big company here, but there's no CRM system, right? So just trying to understand who the customers are is uh, kind of the first challenge. And, of course, we have some of that data in ERP, but it's not rich data. Um, so that's kind of where we start with. And and then, of course, we can dig around uh, sales sales histories and profitability. Um, and, of course, we have, yeah, some from a marketing standpoint, we do have Google Analytics and things like that. But uh, without, I would say, a real playbook for how we use that data and who we're going after and what campaigns we're pushing, right? So um, so it's pretty, pretty fundamental, I guess, is where we're starting. But it's also a little bit refreshing, right? I mean, uh, coming from a much bigger organization where you're honestly trying to make the best use of the kind of the tools that you have here, it's a little bit more of a blank sheet of paper and uh, understanding what we want to accomplish. We can kind of, kind of build it from scratch. I've been astonished over the years um, how large I've seen organizations grow without the benefit of a CRM mm. in a B2B context. Yeah. I mean, I, I, of course, we all know that uh, you know, before CRMs weren't around, you know, in the way yeah. that we think about them 30 years ago. But um, right. so businesses clearly knew how to run without them. But my goodness, uh, I guess just as a, a very digital centric business ourselves yeah. who've had a CRM for years, it's just a little astonishing when you see somebody. Well, uh, and there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, there, there's a lot of momentum in larger organizations if you don't have a CRM because the more you grow the sales organization the harder it is to actually implement technology like that so yeah. you know you have <laughs> there's a lot working against you in terms of kind of put standing up that level of technology are, are you finding um any uh um how's the acceptance been of uh of kind of planning to implement these sorts of tools yeah, I mean, I think in in most cases, you know, the team here is is super receptive uh, to I would say to technology discussion in general, right? So if you just kind of look at the way they've been doing things, it's obviously it's the the business is super successful, but it's driven by a bunch of heroes in the business, right? So they're working day to day super hard with kind of old technologies, and uh, you know, in many cases, just you don't know what you don't know. So I, I guess I've been able to to bring a, a little bit different view, some different experience, and say, hey, I. I see what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, but there's actually technologies that can help and, and maybe make your life easier and make us more even more successful. And uh, obviously, that's a pretty good story to tell. So now, now listen, we haven't started rolling out the CRM system to a sales organization yet. We all know the challenges of that. But, uh, you know, and some of the other things like a PIM system for, uh, you know, data management and things like that. I mean, I think the, the team's ready to roll and, and we've made good progress. So, so Dan, what, one of the things I think that makes you know, your situation at PPI particularly interesting. And, you know, you, you talked about the, the openness and the, and the willingness of the team to, you know, kind of learn about these things and, and get into it. But of course, you're an employee owned company. We are. So, you know, that brings a whole other type of dynamic. And, uh, and we've spoken with folks from employee owned companies before, and it can really um, bring people together, but it can also make 
potentially more resistance. Uh, it could make it so that there's a bit more resistance to change. Uh, what are you finding? Yeah, I mean, I think I've seen both of those things, right? So the, the knife cuts both ways. Um, I, you know, obviously, I mentioned in my playbook, right, that having a passion and an understanding for the customer is super important. And I think, uh, you know, just with an employee-owned organization, I, I found that everybody understands that, right? So, I mean, everybody knows that uh, what I'm doing ultimately impacts the customer, and, and that's a great thing. And, and sometimes in a, in a big organization, people tend to lose sight of that a little bit. And, and I found that super refreshing here at PPI. Um, however, <laughs> there's two sides of the coin, as, and as you said, right? I mean, this is... this. Um, Maybe if you don't come to work every day, just, you know, hey, this is my company, but you understand that uh, the success of the company is directly related to ultimately your long-term financial success, you might be a little bit more resistant to, to you know, investing in things that, hey, we've, we've done it without uh, that for so long, or if I've, I've yeah, might have some negative consequences in the short term on financial performance of investing in things like CRM systems, right? So I, I can't say that's a, it's overt and people, uh, you know, say that, hey, we wouldn't want to do that because we're an employee-owned company. But uh, I, I think it does kind of permeate the culture a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, we're at a, a good inflection point in the company, as we said, that people are looking for ways to do things and, and we are successful. We, so we do have the resources to invest and we just have to find the right things to do that in. So. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's bit.ly slash sample ABM. Yeah, and those, um, I would say about employee-owned uh, uh, companies, they do tend to be um, seek more consensus-driven. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't, I never really take it as being resistance to change, just in some way the pace needs to be, you need to be mindful of it, I suppose. Um, it, it is um, interesting to me, to me to think about that process um, that you're currently going through with the uh, CRM adoption and kind of ex beginning to explore that because basically it is a, a process of extracting, if you'll forgive the term, the the tribal knowledge from the people that have been there and have built the business and, and getting it into something that can live beyond them. Um, uh, how much of um, this initiative is driven by that clear and present uh, swath of retirement that's coming up that so many manufacturers are, are looking at? Yeah, I, I mean, you're spot on, Carmen, right? I mean, I think, uh, and it's not just in, in marketing, quite honestly, it's across the business, right? But, uh, and maybe that's just the other uh, piece of the inflection point that the company's at, right? So they've been very successful up until now. How do we take the next step? But also understanding that we've kind of got this far, we've been this successful with an awful lot of tribal knowledge, with an awful lot of hero efforts from our people. Um, how can we use technology? How can we use processes to, to make that more sustainable? Um, 
because yeah, w- without s- some some strategy, a lot of that knowledge is going to walk out the door. It's already starting to walk out the door, right? But in the next five to ten years, it's uh, going to be super relevant. So, so I think that does uh, you know people realize that too, right? And and uh, it does open them up for uh, for new ideas. So, uh, some that somehow that's a little bit of a wind at your sails for things like this, right? Um, mm. The company reali- realizes that, um, and it and it does help. But uh, but for sure, that's a, a big thing to deal with. It's a weird uh, little thing that I've noticed. It used to be the conversation was about how to um, uh, bring, say, an outside traditional outside sales organization. How to how do we bring them into the uh, world of you know digital digitally assisted selling in some way, shape, or form, etc. Sure. Sure. That was often the conversation. And in the last, uh, I'm not going to say it's pandemic, but you know, probably in the last year and a half or so. I feel like I've noticed a shift in the conversation away from that. It's almost like, no, nope, they're all going to retire in five years anyway. So <laughs> we're going to just like hitch our wagon to some new guys and we're going to focus on how do we do knowledge transfer from these folks um, <laughs> uh, rather than try to teach the old dog new tricks. It's like, we, we it seems like we're just stopping to do that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the situation at PPI, I mean, of course, especially maybe in sales, we, we have a great mix of guys, right? So, of course, we do have some seasoned veterans like like most companies, but there's a great uh, a great pool of young talent uh, that's coming up, right? So, um, I, you know, I think it'd be my goal to just uh, give everybody a, a little bit more structured system to be able to operate in. Hopefully, we can uh, this. Hopefully, we can convince the seasoned veterans that it's worth their time in their last five years uh, to help us build this database and. And become even better, but I'm I'm quite confident that the, especially the younger generation, right, will see the value. Um, in, in you know, I guess in my my past experiences, right, uh, you know, we we try to for CRM to work, right. Of course, it has to bring some value to the sales guys. It can't just be a reporting tool, and so we tend to integrate a lot of our business processes uh, into the system to make it just, hey, this is the tool that I use to to, to do my job. And uh, we've been very successful with with user adoption with that type of strategy. It takes takes some time, right, uh, to be able to implement those things, but uh, I don't see any reason why we can't do that here. Interesting. It's al- it's almost like the uh, the retirement issue, especially in uh, in B two B manufacturing, where you do have these large workforces that uh, you know uh, potentially dependent on uh, baby boomers and others who are you know who may be reevaluating things after following a year of pandemic as well. It, it's it's almost like it's a it's related, but it's a different HR challenge than the skills gap that, that you hear a lot about in here too, because you know, yep. the skills gap is more sort of, a, but we can't find the people with the sorts of skills that these folks have. And, you know, the adoption and integration of technology kind of is a way of bringing younger people into the workforce and helping them work the way they might expect to. But, you know, at the same time, there's a large volume of people who are, uh, who are perhaps thinking of uh, leaving the workforce and, and yeah. getting new folks in there is yeah. going to be interesting. As you say, there's a skills gap, and then there's almost the skills or knowledge handoff yeah. challenge as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up the term knowledge transfer, right? Because that's exactly what we're dealing with, and you know, it's knowledge in many, many different things. Obviously, it's you know, when you talk about sales, marketing, it's it's knowledge about the customers and all of the context that we have with the customers, and you know, what type of relationships do we have, and why have we won in the past, right? So you don't want to lose that information as a as a company that's super valuable. Um, but yeah, then we also have knowledge transfer of products and the history of things that work and things that don't from an application perspective. So. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I think without some technology aids, uh, it becomes super difficult to, to manage that. Changing gears perhaps a little bit, Dan, I'd be curious. Um, I know that the, the notion of customer orientation, really understanding how value is delivered to the customer, to, to the customer in a, in, a, in a particularly kind of a, you know, getting a deeper understanding of that is a, a, a big part of, of uh, your approach. Uh, and I'm always kind of aware that, um, you know, as you come into an organization, you're kind of bringing a fresh set of eyes and often said you can't read the label from inside the soup can, you know? Um, <laughs> yep. I would be curious because you mentioned that PPI as an employee-owned organization has a very strong sense of the customer and a strong customer orientation. Has there been anything that you've kind of noticed in terms of their value prop or why customers really buy from them that was a surprise to them? Like, did you did you notice anything coming in from the outside that uh, that uh, maybe they didn't see? Yeah, I, I'm, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think maybe just talking with the people here, right? I mean, of course, uh, as a as a manufacturer, we build components, right? And these components go into systems that ultimately get sold to to other customers. And so, a lot of just the vocabulary they would that they would use is was around components. Um, but if you you know start to peel back the layers of the onion and you know talk about value propositions and why buy our components versus somebody else's component, um, I, I think a lot of that uh, kind of fostered up from the work actually that we do in sales and actually field sales and field engineering. And so the guys that are actually out there with the customers, uh, helping them solve day-to-day -day problems, right, that might be more application-oriented and not just component-oriented. Um, I think that experience and those stories that kind of come back to the business, uh, you know, touch people's minds and touch their hearts, right? And somehow that's a great combination to, to really get a flavor for uh, what's happening in the field and what we're what we do and and the value that we bring how that why that matters to the customer so um, I, I think maybe I've been able to help explain that I think they probably knew that anyway but maybe it wasn't part of the vocabulary and uh, just trying to make that more clear I think yeah that's interesting I think um, a lot of folks that like component manufacturers et cetera find themselves you know kind of as long as it meets spec, then it's about price. And it's like, yes. man, no, yeah. there's, there's a few other pieces to this puzzle. Yeah, that's right. Let's 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 stay out of that price trap, right? So that's exactly right. Yes. <laughs> so speak, speaking of the uh, of the people, where where are you headed in in terms of the building your department? Like, what's uh, what are, what are you considering in terms of roles, and uh, and where are you at now? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, for the most part, um, especially with the pandemic here, right, it's uh, getting to just to know the people, know the team, understand the challenges, and then trying to figure out where there's gaps, right? And uh, and so not surprisingly, as uh, as I've kind of described the business here, we've got some people that are super strong uh, in product knowledge and some people that really, really understand the customers. Um, I'm trying to help with a little bit of processes and maybe a little bit more formalized uh, business planning and, and campaign planning to really kind of augment what they've been doing um, but but the biggest gap of course that I've seen is really just around technology um, and so I guess in the in the interim here I've been leaning heavily on some partners in IT to kind of uh, help scope out what what could work here what not but I think that's an area where we'll definitely have to, to add to the team um, so yeah not different than probably most marketing departments right but uh, these kind of technology savvy kind of almost hybrid between marketing and IT people is, is definitely going to be a need for us it's a uh... 
it's funny, you know, I always wonder how, time, how th- th- those job descriptions can spin into a unicorn description damn quick. Can't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Build websites, write exciting content, shoot video. Almost, close a deal so yeah. this is how this is how a journalist feel these days oh right goodness, like they have yeah. to be able to shoot video broadcast live yes I think that's I why they're all moving into marketing it's easier <laughs> it's it's a, just a bigger hat i don't know right so right <laughs> yeah I, I think that that's really interesting because you know you have you have this innate kind of group of uh, of talented folks inside and then you know where where can technology fill some of those gaps and then where do you need to hire or or where do you need to bring in outside help um have you been looking at the at the external relationships as well as part of this um plan yeah for sure right i mean that's uh of course it's nice to have some some uh some talent inside right that can interface with external partners but uh, i'm definitely a, a proponent of outsourcing right there's no reason that we have to do all of this internal and so I've, of course i've got some relationships from my my previous uh uh yeah career stints i guess right that i'm kind of leaning on and we're trying to figure out how that's going to fit here but uh without question we'll we'll utilize some some good partners it's been an interesting um uh, evolution i would say for most manufacturers that the, the drive to build out the organization I- I- internally has been um uh ha- has been strong for the last five years plus mm. um uh, I'll be curious to see what happens um, coming out of the pandemic if that continues, because I, I do think the workforce that we're encountering is going to be fundamentally different. Um, mm. uh, ability to retain them when remote work is so much more uh, uh, prevalent will be uh, potentially interesting. So, um, yeah, I wonder if we'll, there will be maybe a resurgence of, um, of people looking to rely on uh, external partners more. Um, oddly, as an agency owner, I hadn't really thought about it that way until just mentioning it now. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, and, and I guess yeah, I don't know if there's really a, a, a pandemic piece of the equation here or not. There certainly could be, right? But uh, I guess just in my personal experiences, I've always found that super uh, advantageous to, to maintain external relationships, right? I mean, as an internal agency, what do you say about uh, not being able to read the label from the inside of the can? Uh, you know, we certainly uh, can fall victim to that, right? So uh, having people with fresh set eyes, uh, new talents, new ideas to integrate with your team, I think is, uh, is always a great idea, right? Independent of the economic cycle or pandemics so yeah 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 i've seen some um uh, on that pandemic front though i've seen some forecasting that people are suggesting i mean obviously this is all hypothetical at this point but they're suggesting that there may be um, a greater movement of um, talent coming out of the pandemic uh, where people have kind of stayed put a little bit in the last year mm. or so and um and uh uh, some talk about uh, companies maybe need to be more flexible, even from a point of view of uh, allowing extended leave or vacations coming out of it, et cetera, in order to help retain. So I'll be curious to see uh, how that, and I think marketing talent is a little bit more, um, uh, lends itself more to remote work than a lot of uh roles as well, uh, especially on the technology side. So. No, I think, yeah, as, as an employer, right, I think you have to understand that. And then to your to your point, right, I think uh, most people in marketing uh, are somewhat comfortable working in a remote environment, and we need to figure out how to, to, to yeah, to make that as an advantage for us, right? So, Dan, I wonder if you were advising somebody who was kind of heading into the same uh, situation that you've been uh, uh, plopped in, but maybe they didn't come, to, come at it with a uh, 
the same experience depth that you bring to this role uh, what's the top bit of advice you'd give them yeah if i had to uh put it in a word it's listen Right. I mean, uh, you know, whatever experiences that you're bringing in, whether it be academic or, you know, uh, work experiences, um, they're super valuable, but it's going to be different. Right. I think every situation is different. So, um, of course, you want to, you know, take what you've learned and, and bring value to, to a different situation. But in order to do that, I think you have to understand the situation that you're coming into. Right. So uh, ask a lot of questions listen, 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 right? And then I think once you kind of do that, once you create that uh, that listening dialogue, then you'll have a much better ability to affect change going forward. So uh, know, know the landscape, <laughs> know your strategy, know your data, know your customer. <laughs> yeah. We call that to uh, have big ears and a small mouth. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, you need to take the advantage in those early days of the fact that nobody expects you to know anything anyway. I mean, you're gonna, you're like, <laughs> well, because you don't, right? So yeah, so, <laughs> right, um, yeah. It, it, it gives you permission to be extra inquisitive. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true, right? I mean, you ask some. Quite honestly, you end up asking a lot of questions that people say, "Hey, I never thought of that. I wish I would have." Right. So, <laughs> fresh set eyes. Dan, it's been great to catch up with you today, and uh, it's been wonderful to bring your experience to uh, to our listeners. I thank you for sharing it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.